I'm going to get started. All right. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for this opportunity to be together. It's, uh, it's all about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about revelation so that we can live the abundant lives that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, most of the people that are, well, not joining tonight, well, yeah, just about all the people that have joined tonight have gone through Karis. And I would say that three-quarters of the people that are signed up that receive the um, podcasts and, and notes and whatnot. Let them in. I, I didn't, I said let everybody in, so I don't even see where I can let people in the way oh, they were. Oh, so can I respond back with, that, with the new address? Yeah. Another group. Oh, okay. I don't know how to do Okay. Who's it? Uh, I put I put the new address on the group chat. I I mean on the group text. I put the new address on there, so they'll get it. Pastor Rolla, Pastor Lenny's going to be ironing out his IT problems. I I promise you. I mean I I think what happened this time was, um, I had a Zoom meeting with Karis today, and I changed the name from New Life Ministry to Karis. Bible school beacon and then I rechanged it and I think that might have done something um, uh, with the invite uh, because they like to see Karis Bible College they don't like to see New Life Ministry uh, well I told them well if you don't like to see New Life Ministry and you want to see Karis Bible College then why don't you pay for my Zoom instead of my ministry paying for my Zoom so as long as my ministry pays for the Zoom I'm going to have New Life Ministry up there from now on so but anyway, that's what might have happened. But um, those of you that have attended Karis or are attending Karis, you know one thing that I always emphasize is I want you to be able to say when you believe something, you know, this is what the Lord has told me. This is what the Holy Spirit has shown me. This is what the Bible says. This is what, what it says in Mark. This is what it says in Romans. This is what it says in Ephesians. And I want you guys to be able to be um, speakers and of the truth um, based upon your own revelation and your own illumination, not because someone else said. One of the things I... I just, I dislike is when you hear people over and over and over said, well, Kenneth Hagin said, or, or, or Kenneth Copeland said, or Andrew Womack said, Andrew Womack teaches. Well, what if, I don't even want you to hear you say, Pastor Lenny teaches, you know, or Pastor Lenny says, okay, who's Pastor Lenny? Who's, you know, who's, what if we're all wrong? Okay, so it's my heart. To, to teach you or to tell you the things that I'm telling you, to show you the things I'm showing you, so that you're going to be able to go into the Bible for yourself with the Holy Spirit, with the tools that I'm introducing you to or teaching you about, and you're going to know. You're going to know that you know, and you're going to know why you know. And it's going to challenge you. It really is going to challenge you. You know, Ed, you brought up a, a pretty good point about uh, uh, about this this past weekend, and Lori had to elbow me several times 
She had to album. She had to album me several times and say, Leonard, you're on screen. People can see you. saw you, by the way. You, yeah, well. You looking straight ahead. <laughs> but there were times where I was, you know, I was doing this. Oh, man, oh, oh. And, and Lori saying, honey, they can see you. They can see you. You have to at least act like you're receiving it. Act like. And, and the reason why was because my ears are so are so fine-tuned to what I believe are true filters. That when I hear something that is like off and bad, and I just like, no, no, no. And then, you know, I feel like, well, the people that are there, oh man, we, we're teaching them one truth or they're, they're getting revelation in one truth. And now it's, it's throwing them all off. And, and, and yeah, I got very frustrated. Like if that was my... If that was my meeting, I would have stood up and said, don't go there. We don't believe that. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. I don't know if I would have had him there. I don't know. I would have done something different. But it's because of my filters. Are my filters wrong? Are my filters right? Well, as we go on with these studies, I'm going to let you guys, you, guys, uh, you guys be the judge of that. But as we, uh, as we move forward, we're gonna, we're, I'm going to continue um, with a little brief, uh, brief review of um, the last time we met. And that is the importance of study forms and, and how they really have, have caused, they really cause uh, the body of Christ and believers to, to, develop their, to develop their theological beliefs and their theological understandings. And some of them are just not good. Uh, the first one we talked about was devotional. A lot of people, you know, don't get into that Bible. They get into, they get into devotional readings and devotional books. And I know we all have them. And um, devotionals, it's studies based on short daily readings of scriptures or a verse. And like I said, a lot, I'm holding up, I'm holding up one. I'm not going to let you know who this is. Okay. I'm not going to let you know who this is from, but I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you something from it. And it says, God answers every prayer. All right. And, um, and then it goes on to, to be, to give us a verse, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Pretty good, right? Uh, but then it starts out and it says, prayer that meets the requirements outlined in God's word is always answered. Oh, so if you're not having your prayers answered, what does that mean? You're not doing it right. You're not praying right. You're not asking right. You're not seeking right. And who is that putting, who is that putting the burden on? That puts the burden on you and I. Puts the burden on you and I. And let me tell you something, the gospel of grace, which I'm telling you, and, and it's probably going to be September where we're going to go through the covenants and we're going to go through every book of the Bible, uh, the New Testament and see the better covenant of grace and also outline the warnings of the destruction of Jerusalem that was going to, it's going to, it's going to bless you so much. Um, uh, it's going to, it, it, it's, it's going to, it's going to be amazing. I, I, I know that. What was I just saying, Laura? You got to keep me in, uh, in, in. Before I said that, oh, but devotional. The devotional. But we get our. I, I remember growing up early in my Christianity. My Bible was um, our daily bread, you know. And then if I got a, a devotional from Zig Ziglar or a devotional from uh, who's that other faith guy, um, Smith Wigglesworth, or or even Andrew Womack, that became like my Bible. That became my biblical reading, and and um, devotional. It's, it's great. It's awesome. If you get in there and you want to feel good, 
and feel happy and, 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 and have a little better direction for the day, it's great. But please do not get your theology from devotional books and from devotional readings. It will mess you up. And um, the, second, the second place where many Christians get their, their theology is from, is from topical messages, topical messages, topical studies. And unfortunately, most of our pulpits, that's, that's what it, it's filled with, okay? And the thing about that, the thing about that that makes that so dangerous is, I know when I came to know the Lord, that man behind the pulpit, okay, it was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Pastor so-and-so. And in fact, you know, Pastor so-and-so came before the Word of God. So if Pastor so-and-so said it and Pastor so-and-so taught it, it was truth and it was fact. And he, he's where I learned the sovereignty of God. He's where I learned that um, there are four sicknesses unto death. There, are, there is a sickness unto chastisement. You know, God wants a correct behavior in your life, so he's putting sickness on you. There's sickness unto character building. He's just looking to build patience in your life and compassion in your life. There's sickness unto death. This is to prepare you to, 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 to meet him, to, to, to go to heaven. And then once in a while, occasionally, and it was up to God, there's sickness unto the glory of God where you're healed. And I want to tell you something, okay? To be honest with you, you could prove every single one of those points from the Bible. If you topically preach a message on healing, and that's your four points, that's your four basis of understanding, you can then go and find verses in the Bible and use those verses in the Bible to prove everything you're saying or, 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 or what you're talking about or what you're, what you're meaning. And, uh, and that's because of a topical understanding and not a true expository understanding of what's being said, who's, being, who's, who's saying it, who's it being said to, what covenant it's addressing. And without all that, you could take a topic and you could make it say whatever you want. And uh, a, a primary example of that is this weekend. As I sat there, I heard the most amazing and, and, and spectacular topical message that made me want to, oh boy, listen, I, I, everybody knows how I feel. I told my directors how I felt. I told people, it made me want to throw up. It made me feel sorry for the people that were there because, because the, the whole message, you know, the message basically was, was the closer you get to Jesus, the more like a sinner you will feel. The more you get, the closer you get, the closer you come into his presence, the more filthy you're going to feel, the more dirty you're going to feel. And, you know, one of the scriptures that was used was, uh, was, uh, was Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And if you pull that out, which many preachers do, all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. So you're a sinner and you fall short of the glory of God. And Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that. But you see, you're preaching a topical message and you rip it out of its context and you rip it out of its meaning and you rip it out of Paul's thought, of Paul's thinking, of Paul's overall theology, and you're left with a lie. See, because all Paul is doing as he starts in, in, in Romans, is talks about how wonderful 
the gospel is, the gospel of Christ, how powerful it is. And he's, you have to know who he's dealing with. He's dealing with the Roman Christians. And there were two types. There were Jewish Christians and there were Gentile Christians. And the Jewish Christians held the Gentile Christians in, a, in like a lower class of society, a lower class of, a class of Christianity. They still, remember, Jews always thought Gentiles were dogs. They were filthy dogs. And so now this, this, came, this came alongside the, the thinking of Roman Jewish Christians. They still believed, yeah, the Gentiles are saved, but, but they're second class. And so Paul, in the first three chapters, tries to say, hey, look, look, you guys are in the same place. Yeah, you knew the law, but you were no better than the Gentiles who didn't have the law. They, they had conscience. They didn't have the law. But you guys, are, you guys are no better than them. They're no better than you. You're both the same. You're all sinners saved by grace. All right? You're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. And, and that's what that's talking about in context. And then when you go to the very next works, verse, it says, and now, you know, you're all, you're both Jew and Gentile. You're both on the same plane. You're both Jew, freely justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So if you rip a verse out of there, you're not getting the context. And this is why church after church after church, how many times are you watching Christians on television and they're trying to say, hey, we're all the same. We're all just sinners saved by grace. That's because of topical preaching. It's horrible. And then in another part of topical preaching is uh, Matthew um, chapter 16, verse 24, where, where, it, you know, where, it, it's, uh, where it says, take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow me. And so here's this part of this topical pre preaching. You have to take up your cross. What's the cross? What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the cross. He's talking about where he was going to be crucified, where he died, you know, where he gave up his life. Wait a second. When Jesus said that, he hadn't gone to the cross yet. So he couldn't have been talking, to the talking about the cross. He just couldn't have been. But now we have a topical message. You need to die and you need to die daily. You need to die constantly. You need to take up your cross. You need to crucify your flesh. Hey, it's great. We all have to keep ourselves in, in, in check, but Paul teaches us how to do that, and so does Jesus. But Jesus is not talking about taking up your cross. He can't be because he didn't go to the cross yet. So here's another topical message that's used incorrectly to get people, you know, feeling like, oh boy, I need to die to self. I'm so selfish. I'm so... I need to, I need to die. I need to die all over again. I need to take off my, I need to take up my cross. And that's not what it's being spoken to. They understood what Jesus was talking about, about now being his disciple. If they were going to be his disciple, that meant they were going to have to pull up the stake, the stake they had in the ground, the stake that, that, that built their belief system, that the stake that built their belief system in the law of Moses, in righteousness by the law. Jesus says, if you now are going to be my disciples, you got to pull up your stake and set it new. Okay? This is what he's talking about. And, and the apostle, uh, not, not he wasn't an apostle, but you think of John the Baptist when he came, right? When he came and preached repentance, he wasn't preaching people to come and, you know, seek forgiveness of sins. The repentance he was seeking was turning from the law of Moses and turning to God's new lamb, the new sacrifice, the new offering, Jesus Christ, 
who, who is given to the world. They'll behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is what John the Baptist was preaching. So when he was preaching a repentance, he's doing the same thing. You have to turn from the direction you're traveling in. You have to turn from the stake you have in the ground, the law of Moses for righteousness, and now you have to put a new stake in the ground and be followers of Jesus Christ, who's, who's God's lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, and then he used the verse from, uh, uh, from, I have it in your notes, from uh, Corinthians where it talks about we die daily. I die daily. And so guess what? Jesus only died once. Right, and Paul talks about I was cruci I was crucified with him once and forever, and that's Galatians chapter two verse uh, verse twenty. In, in Romans chapter six verse four and five, he talks about one time I'm united with him, I I died with him, I was buried with him, and I was raised to newness of life with him, and I now live in new creation realities with him once and for all. We you know this die daily, die daily because you're a sinner, because you fall short of the glory of God. You got to take your your cross up. You know, it's it's all really good, but it's all scripturally wrong. It's 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 it's, it's topical, and topical creates you know um, dangerous positions for Christians, where if you are used to topical topical messages, if you're used to you know understanding the Bible, it's a whole, and and we believe it all. And we don't know how to separate covenants and, and times um, and revelations from, from different groups of people, then you're going to hear this message and you're going to believe, well, you know, I, I am a sinner. I'm just an awful person. I'm just unrighteous. Oh, and then they pull out that verse of scripture that says your righteousness is as but a, a pile of filthy rags. And and then all, all you, you have is people believing I'm selfish. I, I have to die to self. I have sin. I have so much sin. I, I'm nothing but a sinner, you know, and, and what happens? They give them altar calls and you go up to the altar and you got to repent and you got to cry and you got to weep and, and, and you got to get born again all over again, you know, and then when you're done, you know, you, you put your offering in the, in the offering plate, you know, it was a great message. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All right. All things have passed away. Behold, all things new have come. He was made sin who knew no sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Therefore, being made righteous, I have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness rule and reign as kings in this life through the one, Jesus Christ. And the Bible always talks about now the new covenant, the better covenant. We are righteous. We are perfect. We are complete. And this is why you have to make sure you never, never, never develop a, um, a belief system from, from, from um, devotional readings or from topical messages, all right? And then we talked about expository Bible study, which is, is not, it's not taught. It's just not taught in letting the Bible speak for itself. What is the Bible really, really saying? I had a, I had a discussion with, with Barry Bennett while we were there, it seemed that uh, me and Barry are always sitting next to each other when it comes time to eating, right, Laura? When yep. it came time to eating Every lunch, time. and when it came time to eating, um, you know, supper, we were always together, and we talked about the importance of hermeneutics, and how it's not, it's not brought out, it's not taught, it's not emphasized, 
All right, now I got Abby, I got Jess, I got Diane, I got Nina, I got pretty Jolie, hi Jolie, and I got Carol. Let me ask you a question. Have you learned about hermeneutics yet? Have you learned about hermeneutics from Karis? No, they don't have a course, a course on hermeneutics and the importance of hermeneutics. And uh, I suspect that after my conversation with Barry that there's prob po probably going to be something that in his new courses that he's going to be teaching, he's going to be teaching on. But, but hermene hermeneutics, when you get into your Bible, guys, it is so easy for us. It's so easy for us to, to go back and find a Bible dictionary and find out w w what, what might they have been talking about when they were talking about this or that. Uh, nobody lights a candle and hides it under a bushel, you know. Um, heaven and earth. Uh, what, 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 what were they thinking or what they were talking, what, when, when they were talking and speaking of those things? What was the culture of the day? And, 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 and as you can easily look those things up, then you could, you know, surmise better than, than not with, without proper hermeneutics is, well, what was Jesus, then what was Jesus really saying? What was Jesus really addressing? What were they really hearing? What did they hear? All right. And then when you understand what Jesus was really addressing and what they were really hearing, then we could really go into it and, and see, well, well, how does this apply? How does this apply to me? And, uh, it, it, you know, one of the statements that was made uh, this weekend was that there are 3,500 prophecies in the Bible. And 3,000 of them have been, have come to pass. Now, there's still 500 that haven't. Now, I know it, and you guys are going to find it out, but the 500 that haven't come to pass, okay, haven't come to pass because of poor hermeneutics. Because if there was true hermeneutics, and then people would know, wait a minute, they have come to pass, but because we we are not we are not going into the scriptures with with the criteria that I just was sharing with you, we're interpreting it wrong and making it apply to something somewhere in the future when it is applied to some somewhere that it already applied to somewhere in the past. Now I'm going to give you an example. In all the Gospels, Jesus talks about the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, and when you look at people, theologians, you know, professors who give dates to when the Bibles were, Bibles were written, they give late dates to the Gospels. They give dates to the writing of the Gospels further than A.D. 70, okay? They, they give the writings of the Gospels A.D. 90. I mean, I think as far as John is concerned, they even went as far as is AD 100, 110. And do you know what the chief reason why they did that is? Many of the theologians that, that, write, that write your Bibles, uh, that have written your Bibles, many of the theologians and the professors that have taught us in schools and in colleges, uh, many of the cemeteries, seminaries, all right, are not believers of the gifts of the Spirit. They don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they don't believe in the ministry gifts. Do you know we're in a minority? We're in a minority that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that believes in the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, miracles, healings, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And so many of these learned men 
that write our new international version, that write, you know, our, uh, our uh, new, new American Standard Version. <clears throat> and many of the teachers that come from these schools do not believe in <clears throat> early writings of the gospel, which I believe in. They, they believe in later because they say Jesus, if he was prophesying, right, he got it too perfectly. He was too perfect in talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple and the fall and the siege of Jerusalem and the abomin abomination of desolation. See, because they don't believe in the supernatural, they don't believe in prophecy. So they don't believe Jesus was prophesying under the spirit which is her heresy. It's lunacy, all right? But yet, they'll write commentaries and they'll write, you know, books of learning that are all for the sovereignty of God and, and this and that and the other thing from how they poorly translate the Bible. So now when you, when you use proper hermeneutics and you go into and you look at what Jesus is saying, when, when, remember when he said, heaven and earth shall pass away Right? Heaven and earth shall pass away. Matthew 5, 18. Until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle shall pass. Alright? And so now because Jesus said that, they follow the law and they are adhere to the law and they promote the law. But wait a second. If Jesus meant not one jot or tittle is going to pass away from the law until heaven and earth pass away, then we should all still be under the law. And this is why you have a mixture. We should still, we should be going to church, not church. We should be going to, on the Sabbath day. Maybe the Seventh-day Adventists got it correctly. We should be going to church on Saturday. We should be celebrating all the festivals. We should be celebrating the moons, the harvest. We, 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 should, be, we should be living our lives according to the 613 ceremonial laws, the Big Ten. Now, what, when you believe that, what does it say about what, 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 what Paul tells us in Galatians, where he says, who bewitched you? Who bewitched you? All right, you're, you're reverting back to following the festivals. You're reverting, you're reverting back to being circumcised. All right, you're, t you're worried about moons and festivals. Who bewitched you, right? So, and then Paul s tells us in, in chapter five, stand therefore in the liberty where which Christ has made you free. Free from what? The ceremonial laws. So if Paul is doing that, okay, if Paul is saying now, stand in your freedom, if, if Paul tells us in Colossians, he took the ordinances that were against us, that were contrary to us, the law, ceremonial law, big law, and he nailed it to the cross and he canceled it. Whoa, wait a second. Jesus is saying, until heaven and earth pass away, not one shot or one fiddle shall pass from this law. Wait, yeah. whoa, wait a second. So if Paul is teaching us what he's teaching us, and Jesus is saying that, heaven and earth, he can't be speaking about a literal heaven and a literal earth. He can't be. So now when you use proper, proper hermeneutics, you go into that cultural society that day, and you find out that when they heard the words heaven and earth, they immediately thought of the temple the temple. And so when you understand that, then you understand more of what Paul is talking about 
and that we are no longer under the law anymore. Because heaven and earth passed away. Heaven and earth were, were annihilated. The siege of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Yes, Jesus was not. It's, this, these weren't gospels that were written after the fact. That, that's why Jesus got it so right. No, Jesus was the son of God. He moved in the power of the Holy Spirit and he prophesied fully and accurately about what was to happen. And you find that out when you um, use proper hermeneutics. What was the time? What was the culture like? What could one that was speaking possibly be, be, be speaking about? What were the hearers that were hearers? What, what were they hearing? How did it apply to them? And that's how you get proper, hermen proper hermeneutics, proper meanings of the scriptures and proper understandings of the scriptures. So um, maybe I'm going to put out there uh, some good books on, on hermeneutics because there are some good books uh, that, that teach us how to go in there and apply principles of hermeneutics to, to you know, you know, to interpret the scripture. That's if you, you want the truth. That's if you don't want to sit under somebody and have them preach, preach you and, 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 and have them preach as if it's something that's truth when it's not truth. And so we talked about um, the most reliable is historical contextual hermeneutics. And whenever I speak, I try to 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 use that uh, and 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 stay in that lane, um, and also when we when we try to read scriptures, we should not just stick to like reading a verse because we're trained to do that too. Find a verse if that verse speaks with you, camp there, um, which is good. And there are times when that is necessary and and meaningful to you as an individual. But if you want to understand the whole thought of the scripture and get the truth behind what is trying to be taught you by the author, then you should read it and attack it as whole letters. And I'm going to give you a primary example. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. This is Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. And he starts out by saying, you know, I pray that the Father, the God of our Lord Jesus, the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, okay? And so you're reading that, and if you want to make that part of your prayer, you're going to say, God, God, will you give me? Would you please give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, that's what it says. But wait a second. No, you can't just camp out on a verse. Start with, with verse 1 in chapter 1, and you read on, and you find out where Paul soon tells us that God has blessed us already. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Well, is wisdom a spiritual blessing? Yes, it is. Well, why should I pray that God give me it when Paul's already said, God has already blessed me with it? And then he goes on to say in, in verse 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, as he has made the complete mystery of his will, he's revealed to us the mystery of his will. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. He has made known to us the mysteries of our, of our salvation, of this glorious gospel. So Paul is already establishing the fact that God has already done this. God has already blessed us with this. God has already given it. And so now we look at verse you know, 17. I pray God gives you. It can't be right. 
It, it cannot be right. And so now when you go into it, when you're reading it as a letter, when you, when you, with, with a click of a button, with a flick of a finger, you could look up words and you look up where it says, may he give unto you. And you'll find out that the Greek means may it spring forth from within. So what Paul is really praying there is that may, may God, right? His Holy Spirit cause with, which is within you to spring forth, to spring forth. So now instead of praying for, oh God, will you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Oh God, please. That's a great prayer, isn't it? Oh God, give it to me. No, but that's not how we pray. We say, Holy Spirit, thank you that I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's you living within me. And I pray, I pray that the eyes of my understanding would now become illuminated to the truth. The truth of what? And then it goes on, my inheritance. The truth of what else? The exceeding greatness of the power of Christ that's within me as I believe. And so you're able to understand his prayer better. You're able to pray his prayer better by what? By proper hermeneutics, right? By, 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 by expository Bible reading, you know, reading whole chapters. And not only whole chapters, you read through Ephesians, you read through Galatians, you read through Philippians. And as you do that, you're going to understand in your soul what Paul is talking about when he says, I'm not ashamed of my gospel, right? The gospel of Christ, the power of God for salvation. And then you're going to understand where Paul says in Galatians, where he says, let a man be accursed if he adds to it. What is he talking about when he says that he adds to it? Well, if you read certain, certain translations, it'll, it'll kind of indicate that there are still uh, responsibilities that you have. They do. They say it, you know, add this, do this. And they word it as if it's up to you. Well, Paul is saying, if any man adds to this, let him be accursed, right? And then he goes on to say, let, if an angel was to bring another God, let him be accursed. The reason why he said that is because in another one of his writings, he, he makes it clear that the law came by hand of an angel. So he's saying, if an angel comes and delivers another gospel, let him be accursed. If a man adds to this, let him be, adds to what? The fact that through Jesus Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Through Jesus Christ, we are heirs to all the promises. We are heirs to all the blessing. We are heirs, heirs to the, the world because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did, his work, his effort, his doing, his sacrifice, his, his, his offering. And so now if you add to that, you're a curse. What do you mean? Add to it in what way? That you put yourself in the equation. It's what Jesus did plus what I have to do. No, no, no. And you get that. When you read Paul's writings, you, you get such a clarity, a clarity of the gospel of grace, the gospel of Christ, the separation, the rightly dividing the law from grace, the law of do-it-yourself, do-it-yourself system versus the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, grace, where Jesus has done it all. So that's why expository um, uh, Bible reading is just is just the better way the better way to go, you know, and uh, it's against what we're taught. I mean, uh, you know, reading through the Bible is uh, is awesome and amazing. And and you know, if you go to Bible college, they're going to encourage you to read through the Bible. And 
you know, and, and you got it and you have to do that. But, uh, but uh, reading through the Bible is not necessarily, you know, I'm going to read through the entire Bible. It's not really going to gain your understanding of the Bible unless you know the truth and the difference of covenants, unless you know uh, the rules of progressive revelation. Um, and if you don't know the rules of progressive revelation, you know, you're, you're not going to understand anything because the Bible, the Old Testament that we have, is not in chronological order. Um, and so because it's not in chronological, chronological order, the revelation is not chronologically in order. Um, and so you're, you're just not going to gain anything except knowledge there. You're, you're not going to gain anything except knowledge there. So, yeah, read through it because you've got to get your grades there. But, but go to your expository reading where you read, um, you know, sections of, 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 of letters, whole letters. And, uh, and now, because of what you know, when you do go into the Old Testament and you read the Old Testament, you should make your prayer, Father, show me Jesus, because this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. We talked about how Jesus said that, where he said, you search the scriptures and they reveal me. You search the scriptures and they talk about me. And we talked about where Paul told Timothy, you know the Holy Scriptures, how they make you wise under salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So you, when you read the Old Testament, all right, you, you read, Holy Spirit, you have given me the, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, right? It, it, it's within me. So as I read this, show me Jesus, pull out Jesus, show me Jesus. Because there's a lot of stuff in there that's not, that there's some stuff in there that's not about Jesus that you don't need to know about, okay? Why do I need to know about the, what was the story about that woman and the, and the guy and she took the, pen, the tent peg and she... Stuck it through his temple on his head. I don't need that. That's not referring. That's not relating Jesus to me. So, you know, there's stuff in there. You know, these guys are writing. They're writing. They're writing. They're writing. They're writing historical stuff. They're writing things happen. But as they're writing, okay, they're being inspired by God and they are writing. But in that inspiration is what Paul is talking about with Timothy. You know the Holy Scriptures, how they make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. And what we're going to do down the road, too, is we're not going to take a lot of time with it because it will take forever. But we're going to go through, we're going to go through quickly Genesis through Malachi. And I am going to send you notes also so that you can have every scripture reference that's talking about Christ. And you'll have that right there before you. So now when you, as you're reading Genesis, oh, man, that's about Jesus. So Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and, and Ruth and 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 uh, is Ruth a book? Yeah, Ruth's a book, right? And and so you can see, oh Jesus, Jesus, and you're gonna have the 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 thousands of scriptures that are talking about Jesus in the Old Testament. And uh, once you see that, it's 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 just gonna it's just gonna come up so much more alive to you. You will you'll like reading the Old Testament because you'll see Jesus in it. And remember, Paul, he's on the road to Damascus, right? And what's he on the road to Damascus to? imprison Christians, rip families apart, even see that some of them are stoned. Why? Because he's zealous for the Lord. Most, he's, zealous, he's zealous for God. And what is he using? He's using the Bible. He's using the word of God. Okay? But now all of a sudden he, he meets Jesus and, and, and his scales on his eyes, right? And Ananias prays for him to receive. Ah, do you see the significance of this? And this is why Paul said the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the eyes of your understanding would become illuminated. Paul is prayed for. He receives the Holy Spirit. 
He receives the wisdom and revelation and illumination. And as soon as it does, the scales from his eyes are removed. And now, as soon as that happens, three days later, it, we're told he's in the synagogues. He's confounding the Jews. He's just baffling them. What? From the scriptures. And about what? And about who? Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's what the scriptures are for. You know? that's, and, and, and we're going to go through that. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. So what we want to talk about today, the Bible, is, is we know the Bible is true. But real quickly, do you know how we got the Bible? How many of you know how, how we, we came up with the 66 books of the Bible? No. Okay. Hey, listen. I didn't know this either. <laughs> I didn't know this either. Uh, in our Mar and I have it there. In our modern culture, people generally know the Bible is a book many people believe is the Word of God. We agree with, with this assessment. We believe the Bible is God's Word and it needs to be understood. It needs to be studied and taught as absolutely true. But then you have those people that say, yeah, but the Bible was written by men. And if it was written by men, it could be manipulated and, and, by, and especially by certain political systems or by certain denominations like the King James Version of the Bible under, the, uh, under King James. Um, and unfortunately, that oftentimes happens. That's why Pastor Lenny cannot give, um, like, like people ask me, what's, what's the best translation? And I can't, I, I can't give you, I, I can't give you the best translation. I just can't. But what I'm going to give you and impart to you what I believe is to be true filters so that you can read from your favorite translation and, and, and pick up the lie or pick up the discrepancy you know, and, and, and have it be corrected as a go in your souls and continue, and continue reading. I, I read them all. I read, uh, I read uh, the King James Version. I'll read the Amplified Version. I'll read Young's Literal Translation. Sometimes I'll go into the NIV, and sometimes the NIV has a, a, a scripture translated correctly. Um, and sometimes I'll go into the New American Standard. And a lot of the times when it comes to the New Testament and Paul's epistles especially, I go to the Mirror Study Bible um, because he writes from a filter of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He he takes things a step a step further than I would take it, and so that's why you got to be careful from 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 every uh, every uh, translation you read. And I'll, I'll give you an example from, from Francis Dutois. Uh, you know, and I'm to be honest with you, I don't know what to think about some of these things. But where it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, right? So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We know that 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, right? But before that verse, if you look at it, it says, if we then surmise that one man died, Jesus, then we have to surmise that all men died. Whoa. And now all men live. Wait a second. All? Oh. And then it goes on to say, if any man be in Christ. And there are other other scriptures that that are kind of that are kind of like that. And um, and so his thing is, you know, believing, not believing, it happened. God reconciled the whole world. Um, now we understand 
that there are writings in Paul that says, but unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, it all has to relate. You follow what I'm saying? It's like a bank. Well, you young guys don't remember this, but when you used to get the bank statements, you used to have to take out your checkbook and then you have to, you'd have to cross out one side and, 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 and you have to reconcile it. Now, as far as the bank was concerned, their part of the reconcil reconciliation was done. Now, as far as you're concerned, your part of the reconciliation is not done. Now, if you don't reconcile with the bank, you could be like Pastor Lenny was and be negative, have a big negative number in your checking account because you didn't reconcile it properly. And so that's how it is with, with, with what I believe is if you don't now come to your reconciliation, there's going to be a big negative there. And what's our rec reconciliation? Paul makes it clear in another passage where it says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So that's up to us to do. All right. But the Bible, the Bible, the canon, the 66 books which are largely agreed upon have been viewed as the word of God throughout church history. And, um, I'm, and the 66 books that are largely agreed upon, it's, it's this is pretty cool. The Catholics, okay, uh, Lutherans, uh, Baptists, uh, Pentecostals, um, Episcopalians, whatever, they all agree on the 66 books. Now, the Catholics have what's called an Apocrypha. They have extra books in there. But I didn't know this. The Catholic hierarchy do not view those books as canon. They just view it as extra historical, you know, writings. Um, and, uh, but all of Christendom accepts the 66 books as the, as the inspired word of God, as the canon. And I have there here that one of the church fathers, Eusebius, wrote a book titled The Church History, which is the earliest history of the church other than the book of Acts. And that was written in, in A.D. 263 through A.D. 339. And um, he talks about how the 66 books came into being. And one of the ways that they came into being, I didn't know this, was whenever the Roman emperors, there was a time when certain Roman emperors had 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 made Christians illegal. And you remember those times where they burned Christians to the stake, where they threw Christians to the lions, where, you know, we heard stories about the catacombs, the underground system where Christians used to hide out because, because it was really bad. It, it, the persecution was horrible. And during that time, they were told, you know, the, the, the edict was given, the law was given, burn the books, burn books, burn books, burn books. And these 66 books, I didn't know this history, came from the fact that these were the books that those Christians were willing to die for as believing they were the word of God. And I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I would be willing to die for the book of James, you know, or I don't... I don't know, but there was such a strong belief in, in these books and in these writings that they would not burn them, that they would maintain their belief in them, and that they would die for them. That's one of the ways they came up with, uh, with the, um, 66, um, the 66 books. And the other thing was um, authorship. You know, there are so many manuscripts and 
they determined from the manuscripts who were the real authors and who and who weren't real authors. Like like Paul had a style. He had a certain style. And a lot of people don't believe he wrote the book of Hebrews because they see a different style there. But when you look at the content of what's being told there, then others argue that it was written by Paul. But that's just an example. They look at the style, the writing, how, how John always, always addressed his little children, my dear children, my little flock. And then in some of, you know, three, three John or, or, or two John, some of that is missing. So, you know, they had to decide whether or not, is this canon or is this is not canon? So they went into um, what they thought and what they felt was the accepted category. And those books were clearly accepted. Jesus quoted from these books. There were quotations from these books, from the Old Testament books, from the New Testament. You know, so these books are not disputed. And then they had the disputed category. And I think I put this down for you in your notes. Yes. You know, I, who said yes? Me. Oh, you, Lord. You know, the, the book of Jude, 2 Peter, 2 John, 3 John, and James. They, they were disputed. Um, and like I said, because of the, the language might have been a little bit different. And uh, James was one of the last books accepted because of his stand on a man is justified by his works and by his faith. And make no mistake about it, that that's what James taught. And that's why Martin Luther, we all heard about Martin Luther, how he was burnt at the stake. Well, he didn't believe in the book of James. That should have been in the Bible. And, and he wrote his thesis and, 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 and nailed it to, the, to the, 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 the door of the church at that time. And, and they took him as a heretic for re rejecting the book of James. And they burnt him to the stake. And that's where Lutheranism came from, uh, saved by grace. I know you've all heard of him. But, but James was um, a disputed book. They, they finally, you know, accepted uh, they accepted some of the other disputed books because they realized that there were people in the Bible that wrote the Bible that wrote for other people. Like sometimes Luke wrote for, for, uh, for Paul and, and Luke also wrote for Mark. And so once they realized that, then they were able to accept some of the books that were dis disputed. And then there was out and out rejected books, like the book of Revelation was on the rejected list. And it took centuries for it to become part of canon. And even to this day, Revelation is a very uh, hard book to understand. Now, we can understand it far more greater than they back then because of hermeneutics. And when we go through the covenants and, and we go through the temple and Jerusalem and the destruction of... You're going to see how the book of Revelation is very relevant and should have been part of that canon. It's going to be great. And then there were her her heretical books. Heretical books. Um, and uh, so that's how they came up with the 66. And it just so happened that this is amazing. I have that there for you. It says, why the 66 books? All right. And, um, and now if this is a supernatural book, is the, if the Bible is supernatural... This kind of makes it supernatural, Lori. This kind of makes it supernatural, 66. We all know about types and shadows and pictures. 
And, and, and now in Exodus chapter six, uh, chapter 25, we have the candelabrum. Have you ever seen a candelabrum that's like the, is that, is that what they call the Jewish manure? No, where they put the candles in and light the candles, right? The candelabra, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Shake your heads, yes. yes. Yeah, all right, um, the candelabra. And, and when you read this account from, from um, Exodus, and they total up the items of the candelabrum. It talks about the lampstand itself, right? It talks about um, what else? That that's that's here. Um, the cups and the flowers and this and that. And it's just amazing how the division of the candelabrum is thirty-nine on one side of it and twenty-seven on the other to give you sixty-six books. So I put that there for you to see how it adds up from the candelabra that is in Exodus chapter 25. And it's just amazing. It's like, wow, you can see that this book is a supernatural book. And it's one of the reasons why the Catholic Church in their Apocrypha do not count it as canon because it did not fit uh, this picture from the book of Isaiah. All right. And now also, which we did learn this. Uh, we did learn this from Bible, Bible class. We learned about the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah is, is one book, but in Hebrew, in the Hebrew scriptures, it's divided into first Isaiah, which is I, I, chapters 1 through 39, and it's divided into second Isaiah, which is chapters 40 through 66. So the book of Isaiah in the Hebrew scriptures is divided that way. And when you look at the portions of scriptures from Isaiah and in those divisions, you look at it, it's almost like before Christ and after Christ, you know, before the gospel and after the gospel. And it's just amazing. And it corresponds exactly to the division of the books of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so when you understand that, um, Exodus chapter 25 and um, um, Isaiah, uh, the chapters in Isaiah, you could see that that, that the Bible is really uh, a supernatural book, and um, and beyond that, uh, I was encouraged to to read the book, and I I'm, I'm going to start it. But Fox's Books of Martyrs is an is, I heard is an amazing book. I've never read it, but then when you read about a history, how they had these these books, these sixty six books, and they were willing to die for them instead of you know. Uh, burning them and and that just gives us confidence that what we have is is the word of god and so pastor is that the, the book that uh benny Hinn mentioned yes fox's fox's book of martyrs it's 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 got no theology in it all right it's got no uh no teaching on whatever all it is 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 the books of historical books of historical people who died for the gospel. Like the one you just mentioned that was written after Acts. Correct. Yep. And uh, and it's it's just it's just amazing. And 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 when you know about that, what they're willing to die for it, you know, what uh, why they stood behind the books that they stood behind. I mean, I have a bullet test. What I'm willing to die for, and what I'm not willing to die for. If you put a gun to my head and say, listen, Leonard Rolla, I'm gonna pull this trigger unless you deny this, all right? 
there are only certain things I will take a bullet for. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking to you about, okay? Jesus Christ is the only way and there is no other way. You, you, you deny that fact or I'm going to pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger, okay? When it gets to some of these, like, some of these teachings about eschatology, you know, that they, they, they want me to believe or try to get me to believe, and if they put a gun to my head and a bullet to my head and they say, you believe this or you denounce that or I'm going to pull the trigger and say, no, listen, I'm not dying for that. You know, so you have to ask yourself when it comes to your Christianity, when it comes to what you believe, when it comes to being taught, I am righteous. I am perfect. I am complete. I am, I am holy purely by the work of Jesus Christ and not my own. You can pull the trigger. You can pull the trigger. See, if, 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 if you say, no, no, don't pull the trigger. I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'll denounce that. Well, then you don't really believe that you're one with Jesus Christ and that your righteousness comes from his righteousness and that your holiness comes from his holiness and his, your sanctification comes from his sanctification. This is the truth of my gospel. If I don't believe that, then I don't believe in the gospel. All right? But I believe that. Pull the trigger. I don't know. Does that make sense? Put the gun to my head. This is what I believe. I'm not going to change what I believe. You know? And, and there's certain things. Uh, no, I'm not going to take a bullet for that. I'm not going to take a bullet for that. On the third day, he rose from the grave. That tomb is empty. You can't find his body. I believe that, and you're not going to change that. Pull the trigger. I mean, there's, there's certain things I'm... I'm I'm not going to take a bullet for. So, um, so we're, you know, we're going to wind, we're winding down this tonight. And, and like I said, this is going to be a series. So if you didn't like tonight, hang in there. It's going to always be different. It's always going to change. The next time we're going to get together, uh, we're going to talk about these things. Do you believe the Bible is authoritative? Raise your hands if you believe the Bible is the author authoritative word of God. It's not a trick question. All right. Uh, read, raise your hand if you believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. See, it's the only way I can see it. Okay. Read, 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 raise your hands if you believe the Bible is inerrant and infallible. All right. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. The Bible would be inerrant and it would be infallible if we had... The writing of Paul, okay, and we had Paul to let us know what he was saying. But there's a difference between authoritative and inerrant and infallible and inspired. And we're gonna learn we're gonna learn those differences. Because let me tell you something. Somebody can go into the Bible and find and find something that's not right with it. But it's not right with it because the Bible is not authoritative and it wasn't inspired. It's because of how man translated it and how time changed it. And this is the amazing thing about the Bible. That has happened in our Bibles. But when you have the true filters, you could read something here and you'll go, wow, what is this saying? This is, this is kind of like saying that I still have to adhere to the law or works or works or but then and it might even be from Paul but then 
you go to Ephesians and Romans and, and you read and you go, no, that can't be it. So you have to know there had to be something wrong with translation. So in, inerrant, can it contain errors? If it does, it's only because of the hand of man. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that, authoritative, inspired, inerrant, and infallible. And uh, that will make you better equipped when it comes to apologetics, and we all know what apologetics means, you know, where Peter says, you know, we all should be, be willing and ready and able to give an account for the things we believe and, and why we believe it. And there's many people out there that will come at you because they know the Bible, you know? How many, that's one thing Benny Hinn said, how many of you know the Bible? Oh, I know the Bible. Oh, Satan knows the Bible, you know? How many of you believe in Jesus? Oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, Satan believes in Jesus. Uh, you know, how many, you, you, you know, read the Bible? Oh, I read the Bible, oh, whatever. And there are lots of people that study the Bible and read the Bible just because it's, it's a piece of literature. And then they'll go out and they'll try to, to you know, uh, use what they know to kind of de 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 uh, destroy the truth of the scriptures. But when you know the difference between authoritative, inspired, inerrant, and infallible, Nothing will ever move you or shake you or change you. All right? So it's been about an hour. We'll, we'll call it a night. I'm going to make some additional podcasts on this teaching and send it out as well as this one big podca podcast. And, and I'm going to have the Zoom for people that, that missed it. Um, uh, but does anybody have any questions on what we talked about tonight? I do. Oh, sir, I too. First of all, did you kind of like tonight? Did you kind of like tonight a little bit? A little bit? Hands. I need to see hands. Okay, yeah, good. All right. Because I'm telling you, when we're done with this, and I don't know if we're ever going to be done with this, because it's going to be continual. I mean, you're going to be so, you're going to be so well equipped. You people from Karis, I don't want you to say, why am I going to Karis? Don't ever say that. Just keep going to Karis. But... <laughs> You're going to be so well equipped. It's going to be. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to tell you something, Ed. Where's Ed? Where is Ed? I don't see him. Oh, okay. One of the reasons why I decided to do this was because number one, yes, there's some of you that 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 are partners with the, with with our ministry, and I want to reward the partners. But a lot, a, a, another big reason why is because. Uh, I know those of you loved our discussions in class, Diane Morgan, you know, Carol, Ed, you, you, you loved our discussions in class when we talked about great. There's not going to be none of that anymore. It's only going to be... That's crazy. It's only going to be, and you're going to find out on day one to make sure that it's only that. Pastor Lenny, and it's not only me, it's every school, it's going to have a recording device there that every single class is going to be recorded. What is said by the instructors, what is asked by the whatever, and our, our only answers and our only discussion should be, uh, this is what uh, was in this lesson. This, that's it. There could be none of this. And I'm going to miss that, guys. And I think you're going to miss that, you know, too. When we break out in other, when we break out in Correct. Correct. Everything is, you know, so, and then, and that, you know, that me, I'm like, you know what? There's, no, there's more. There's other stuff. There's, 
you know, and, 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 and it's important. And so that's what I felt that the Holy Spirit leading me into. Yes, Len, it is important. You can have continuing discussions, continuing on your own, through your own ministry with everybody that wants to voluntarily come. When you're in Karis, yes, it's going to be Karis. But outside of that, more questions. You guys, more more questions. You have other subjects you'd like to discuss or whatever. You know, then uh, we'll, we, 